Jack, 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 Jack. Hey. 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 I saw some people switching places. <laughs> um, hello, everyone. Uh, Nob Twiddler 61 already. Uh, 61. Can't believe it. Anyway, but um, yeah, welcome to uh, Nob Twiddler's Hangout. Uh, Drum Cells here. He's back. The man. It's just like uh, California versus Rotterdam today, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're being teamed yeah, up on. The Rotterdam, <laughs> Rotterdam Californian uh, gang uh, hangout. <laughs> hey, man. How are you, Mo? All good? Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to be back, like always. Yeah. And you invited uh, two of your friends. Uh, we have uh, Joshua there, um, also joining us from California. Where are you exactly? Pasadena. Nice one. Which is yeah. the sleepy old person part of Los Angeles. That's beautiful, though. When you're middle-aged like me, you go to these <laughs> quiet places where there's trees and you can walk around and ride your bike. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. Well, nice to have you, man. Really good to see you. And uh, Tom Hall is, uh, is joining us as well in an even more quiet place. Where are you? I'm up in Lake Arrowhead in the San Bernardino Mountains. So... Yeah, about an hour and a half. If I go out on the ridge nearby, I can see LA, so it's not that far away, but uh, it feels like it. In a remote place with uh, kick-ass internet. Yeah, I got lucky. (laughs) Somehow it's faster than downtown LA, so go figure. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I I just uh, mentioned before, I checked your Instagram, and you you literally tick all the boxes with uh, the amazing views, a studio um you know with a nice nice organized kit and a cat and a modular which is you know oh, yeah, you can't get you can't go wrong with that yeah. <laughs> I, I i got one I, I picked up one of those starter packs at guitar center like you know the the ambient starter pack <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly get yourself a mountain view a cat a modular <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got a good bundle deal on it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> awesome. So, um, yeah, the thing that I, I'm really interested in uh, in in about your workflow, um, Tom, and also from uh, Joshua, is you you guys are really into using Max MSP and uh, uh, doing programming and making music. And I really admire people who can actually do that because uh, you know I'm. I'm kind of too impatient to get really deep into that kind of stuff, and uh, I dabbled in it, so I know I know how it works. But I I can never set myself to actually go really deep and do all the programming. And because the thing is, you know, I I just want something, you know, I can put my hands on that makes noise and then just sculpt it along the way. And so my my first question would be, how how do you kind of compartmentalize those two jobs you know being like creative and in the flow and at the same time uh being so focused in a, in a with a totally different part of your brain uh while you're building those tools do you allow yourself um you know uh, to play around with whatever whatever you've built or are you first finishing your tool and how does how does it work for you tom so let me just explain 
maybe one simple thing about about me that will help put this into context. I was the kid who had a perfectly functional little dirt bike when I was 10 or 11. But apparently to me it wasn't perfectly functional enough, so I decided to like pull the carburetor apart and like pull this other thing apart and then put it all back together, but I had two bolts left over at the end. You know, like <laughs> I'm not <laughs> it's almost uh it's almost a, a, a deprimant in a in a creative practice. Like I'm not, I'm not uh, satisfied with a Nordley two, which you know sounds amazing and whatever. But I have a problem that someone else designed that interface mm. for me. You know, so I then have to work within their, you know, parameters and confines. Um, the creative process, you know, programming with Max for me is. Uh, I have to, you know, distinguish the two sides apart, like the programming, the experimentation, the patching side. And then if I'm going to, you know, record something, make an album, I really have to tell myself, like, no editing, no going diving into the back into the programming side of things. Because if I do, I just never finish a recording. Like, because you'll be there, you'll be there jamming on something so the only rule is if it's a bug, you know, maybe it's something that where I suspect I can make the timing tighter or something. In that case, I might I might edit, but otherwise I do have days where it's like open patches, don't take them out of presentation mode and just use the UI that I've I've created uh, to 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 make stuff. Yeah. Mm. And do you feel it does require a different mindset or a different part of your brain while you're working on those two different jobs? Most definitely. I, I have to have recording days for my own sanity, mm. too, because you could, you know, Max is, Max is infinite. Max MSP is infinite. You know, you could just spend the rest of your life designing synthesizers but never actually recording any output from them. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar to the whole sort of um, Eurorack uh, phenomenon these days, you know, people oh, yeah. always working on their on their system and never really recording anything. Solid, well, Ma you know? Max is pretty old, you know, it started in 84 at Urcam with Miller Puckett and, you know, it goes through to now and there's legends in the Max world, Max MSP world, who I've never heard a recording from, but they're <laughs> legendary in the, you know, content they're produced within max you know hmm. it's it's a it, and people have built careers on that too i mean it's not it's it's another element of creativity hmm. it's just there's just not a music it's not a it's not an album output or you know yeah yeah i totally understand i, I that's why i admire um, people who can, you know, because uh, like you said, you can also just buy this this machine that already is uh, uh, designed by somebody else and that's, that does the thing for you. And you can just, mm. uh, it's like instant, uh, instant playable, instantly playable, you know. Um, so it's cool. Yeah, what, what about you, uh, Josh? You, uh, do you separate the two jobs and do you feel you, you're, you're tinkering on, on, patches and um uh making music ratio is healthy <laughs> yeah um it's funny you know you i had a very similar experience to you where on and off since the late 90s i could <coughs> tinker with it and kind of not really get anywhere mm -hmm. and then i guess i got serious with it about 
five or six years ago, five years ago. But I got, at the risk of being really jive and name dropping, please everybody forgive me for this. I got really good advice from, from Sean Booth from Autechre, who said that you do have to separate your brain for this, these two tasks as they are very different. And what, what he explained to me is the best thing is like, if you do the programming stuff in the morning, maybe early afternoon, you take a little break and then you spend the evening and the later hours playing with the patch that you've been working on, whatever state it's in. Mm-hmm. And in sort of using it and making music with it, you'll see what's wrong with it or what you need to fix or what could be better. Like the things Tom was talking about in, in terms of timing. Timing is everything in Max MSP. And yeah. It's the number one thing that can make everything completely fall apart and go off the rails is if there's a, a timing error somewhere in your patch. So that I've, I've really, I've stuck to that advice pretty well. And, and uh, I, I find that, you know, if I'm, if I'm nervous about specifically with the last telephone record that came out two years ago, there was a lot of, I was really nervous about having to make it. So I used the max programming as a way of kind of procrastinating the actual act of composition. So, so I could say, Oh, well I'm working, I'm making progress. I'm spending all this time doing this programming. I basically play play it to me, play it to me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, what do you have? What do you have? (laughs) Yeah. I basically programmed for four years, three or four years before I really sat down to write. I finished two or three songs ahead of time, you know, pretty early on. And then with just sort of early prototypes of the system that I was working on, that Tom played a key role in helping me figure it out. Um, but then all at the end, once I kind of had the system in a situation where I could use it to make music, boom, eight weeks, I was record finished. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so one thing, though, if you, if, you, if you start out building an instrument, right, or an environment or a tool or whatever, um, you obviously have this... Um, this goal in mind, you know, like an aesthetic or or a, a way to deal with whatever, you know, like man- manipulation of sounds or rhythms or whatever. Um, and then you said you spent four years programming. How do you how do you retain the energy and the motivation to follow through with that idea until you're, you know, when your when your tool is finished? Because when I have an idea and when I when I have an aesthetic in mind, you know, it take it, it, it maybe it stays there for maybe a few weeks and then I I kind of it fades it fades and it, I, I don't need I don't even longer I don't want to pursue that idea anymore, you know. If if I don't do it instantly when when I st- when it's fresh, you know, when it's hot and mot- when I'm motivated, I just want to get it out uh, out of myself and then follow to do something else. So how do you retain that energy? How do you retain that idea? I think I think that's why I'm not really prolific as Telephone Tel Aviv, because usually making a TTA record is sort of hinges on doing something extremely difficult that's time consuming <laughs> and a pain in the ass. Like the first record, it was it was just making thousands of sounds and laying them out in a Pro Tools window, just looping two bars of music for weeks. You know, it just took forever. <laughs> It's an incredible amount of work. And it's as a result, I feel like I spent all of the energy of my adult life making Fahrenheit fair enough. And so now I'm just lazy. I just don't <laughs> care. And I don't want to do anything. I just want to like work on my platinum trophy and bloodborne. Um, but, 
But uh, so for me, it was like a thing that I'd always heard in my head that I, since the late 90s, since we first started, that I always wanted to be able to, to do without having to program it in the window in Pro Tools. And, um, and it's this kind of collapsing and expanding time stuff. And there's a little bit of it on the first record. We do some stuff with the piano that's speeding up and slowing down in one of the songs. But I wanted a whole system that was just sort of free of the grid. And so I knew what it would what it was and how it would work and how I would use it to make music. And it just took me, I, I had to do it. And it just took me four years basically to hmm. get it to the point where I could use it. And I think for me, it's like uh, the one, the one good thing that I can say about myself as someone who makes music is that I, when I have that idea, I'm relentless about it until it's mm. executed. Right. I'll, fucking kill myself to get it done i th- i think josh touches on something interesting here with that length of time between the d- the development of the max patch like if you saw this patch that josh developed you're like oh that's that's josh like you know and there's an element of satisfaction derived from the creation of that tool you know like it's not you know you know like I, I, I love the Nord lead too, but I don't get any satisfaction from its creation. I had zero to do with that process, you know. So there's a lot of uh, satisfaction in the development of something from the ground up that's derived. And I think that's how you sustain yourself between lengthy record periods, perhaps. I mean, I remember when Josh was really nailing that patch that became, was a big part of that record. At medium, he was jazzed. He was pretty excited, and that yeah. was cool. Uh, maybe more jazzed than when his record came out. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you answered this question already, but I was kind of curious as like how much of the process of designing the patch actually creates the sound or i mean in your case you already knew exactly what you wanted to execute when you were designing it but tom maybe you can ask like how how much does your patch you design does it actually create the sound that you're listening to or you do you have something specific in mind that you're trying to design and then it just delivers from there they're interleaved yeah yeah uh, like Josh, I'd been chasing the sound for a long time, decades. Yeah. Like, and it's a very finite kind of granular time-based, you know, synthesis. And I've only started to creep up on catching that bastard in the last couple of years, after many years of Max programming. You know, and it's it's satisfying uh but yeah i think that the the interesting thing like any creative project when you're designing the the very brush or even the pigments to use an analogy uh is that it sometimes shifts right i mean there's one thing i love about max and it's the same about you know urac and and other modular synthesis is this possibility for uh discovery you know, happy accidents kind of thing. And so sometimes, yeah, there's certainly, there's been an idea that I've had and then it shifts because of something I connect the patch code the wrong way or yeah. something. And I'm like, holy shit, that sounds amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, because it seems yeah. to cater to an environment of happy accidents constantly. Oh, totally. 
Uh, Max is yeah. a little less forgiving as far as happy accidents go than Urak. I mean, I could jump on this thing here and literally close my eyes, and I'm probably going to be able to get a sound out of it. Uh, close your eyes with a Max touch and trying to join objects <laughs> together is not going to work so well for you. Um, yeah. No, it really lends itself to to exploration. I mean, and you know, there's a huge community behind it, and especially with Max for Live. You know, it's like yeah. all that stuff can go back and forth between Max and Ableton, and mm. yeah, it's, it's a great community. And veterans love to help out noobs. It's not like yeah. oh, you noobs. It's not like you know the front software forums or something that like is on the Steam. <laughs> it's like it's really great and like aged you know grizzled veterans like tom love to help out noobs like me when we're trying to figure I, shit out it's, <laughs> it's great i think the reason why is no one everyone never forgets they're like trying to get into the <laughs> map right and they, they've still got uh you know indents on their forehead from hitting the brick wall you know mm -hmm. and, yeah absolutely and you never forget that for as long as you live so you're always happy to help out you know newcomers for sure it's it's yeah. crazy how Flaming or anything of noobs just does not happen. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean this this over this pandemic. Um, I mean, I've I've had Max around forever. I think I got into it when the Jazz Mutant Lemur came out at first. That was the first time I tried to dabble into it. But over this pandemic and having more free time on my hands than usual, Tom actually turned me on to a couple um, online Max MSP classes, which uh, I'll be straight up honest with you i'm still having a hard time wrapping my fucking head around it but <laughs> you know i'm working my way up and trying to learn as much as i can it's did you do the cadenza of course was I, no i didn't do the cadenza what was uh, the uh music hack space one yeah the music right? hack space one, yeah right? it was over a zoom class and it was actually it was it was a great little workshop to work with people and they were super helpful and we kind of helped we built patches together um i just haven't entered into the mindset of being able to create a patch that would cater to exactly something I wanted to do yet. Yeah, that that takes a minute. I mean, my my, you're almost someone who I'm like. Well, you probably need to get uh, one on some one-on-one -on -one lessons so you can tell the person, hey, this is what I have in mind. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, I mean, some of those courses they're a catch-all. You know, um, it's great if you're trying to get into the ground floor and just get the basics down. But when you know you're you're a veteran of the music industry and you have you have that thing in your mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, but getting the basics down. I mean, Josh mentioned something that was interesting to me when he was diving into the Cadenza course five or six years ago was that the big thing he got out of that was how to get on how to get yourself unstuck when no one's around right because that's often the thing that you know is the end for a lot of people who aspire to get into max they get stuck they try and then they yeah. give up you know mm -hmm. it's it's a human instinct i mean it's not no no you know it's not everyone does it with all sorts of stuff but like uh, you know, it's like, how can I get myself unstuck when I don't have a buddy to call or a forum to jump on in that moment and get an instant answer? Because yeah, yeah. you kind of want to keep rolling, you know? Yeah, I should I should clarify this for everybody that I, I feel really lucky that I had Tom to keep me from getting stuck. If I got stuck, I would, what do I do? 
Mm. What's, what's, <laughs> you know, like one of the main UI functions of my entire system hinges on a little UI trick that Tom showed me that was like, oh, okay, I, I know what to do now. I know how to build this. After, it was just a UI problem that I was having. It wasn't a methodology problem or a technical problem in terms of timing. It was a UI problem. And Tom I didn't solved see it. I didn't see him for a year after that. I couldn't even get him out for, for a time. <laughs> yeah. Where's, where's Josh? <laughs> so the other thing I'm I'm interested in is um, I I you know I have a joy in in the diving really deep in a very very simple instrument. You know I I always use very simple setups. I have I've quite a lot of gear, but whenever I do something, I choose my weapons and i just totally turn them inside out and explore them to the you know to the max i just try to discover everything about the range of things you know and with with if eventually with the goal to become fluid on the instrument you know because you you're putting together uh, an assembly of, of stuff and then uh, you want to get to know how to play it you know as an instrument you know to play every any instrument you know whether it's acoustic or electronic um, you have to spend time with it you have to learn its character you know its ins and outs how how do you deal with with that this aspect of of uh, making music when the, your instrument itself is fluid like when it's in never in a in a in a like a final state you know how do you how do you become fluid on something that is fluid you don't you don't. It's like it's it's archery on horseback. It's you're constantly trying to hit a moving target. That's that's the fun about it. That's the fun part for me. Right. Um, I like being in situations where I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, mm. kind of just feeling around in the dark, and I feel a little bit bewildered by my tool set, and that it's a little bit above my sort of knowledge or skill level. I love that. That's that's my sweet spot. Tom there, might be different. But. There is this interesting element where, you know, for example, you get the hardware synth that has all the knobs laid out. You have to learn what all of those do and how they interact with one another. But you've you've been part of that development process in the case of of Max, you know. So there's already this intuitiveness there, perhaps before you've even built the UI for it, right? So you understand how the oscillators are syncing and you understand how, you know, the ADSR is working and because you've you've made it. Mm -hmm. So there's already some a little bit of fluidity there before you make the UI. And sometimes I find the patching and design process, the programming, engineering plays into how the UI ends up. But Josh is right, like, you know, because you can just, I've certainly done this. I'm like, oh, this UI is great, but I can't fit the other UI on the same laptop screen. So let me just squash everything to the left and then so that I can see everything when I'm playing live. And then, yeah, UI is completely changed. Um, but, yeah, part of, part of building that muscle memory perhaps uh, is what you're talking about is like, yeah, switching to a presentation mode to a UI that you've made and just locking it down and not, not unlocking it and, you know, until you've recorded something. Um, I mean, a big part is, you know, external controllers, you know, putting, put, connecting stuff in MIDI controllers and, and learn, you know, setting parameters on, on a hardware, a piece of hardware. I mean, there's still this nice tactility there because otherwise you're just clicking a mouse, right? So, yeah. um, which we have to do for a bunch of other shit in our lives, which is not as exciting. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. When I when it comes time to recording, I, yeah, get get out the MIDI controllers, get out the iPad, make it make a UI, and especially because it's funny. I've even discovered stuff once I've gotten to that stage because I go from triggering one parameter at a time with the mouse to being able to trigger, you know, seven, five, ten. Uh, you start discovering even new stuff. Um. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just baffled by by the discipline you guys need to have, you know, to, to get yourself to um, you know spend that time to build a tool. But as you said, it's it's part of the fun, so I can understand. But uh, it's still it still sounds like a very daunting thing to me. <laughs> it is. I mean, I- I'm still terrified by it. <laughs> let's be let's be honest. Right. What about what about for the live environment though? I mean, how different, Josh? For instance, is your Max Patch developed for studio production compared to the one that, like, I, I believe you use for the Second Woman project, right? Uh, Second Woman is honestly done mostly with just tricks. Um, basically, what we do, like the the live situation, is totally different because live everything is working and running in Ableton Live, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's bits and bobs that we can, you know, a sound, a device that's just kind of open and playing MIDI stuff that then we could manipulate. Um, yeah, there's not as much of that kind of stuff going on live as there is in the studio. Uh, only because the, the way this stuff works in the studio is so chaotic that it's, I can't just use the system and like make a song and then that's done. It's like I spit out a ton of stuff, you know, spit out clouds of MIDI data into Ableton, and then I go in and pick the bits that I like and slide it. Over. It's yeah. still there's a lot of editing involved. Um, it's not an entirely self-contained system yet. It c- could be, maybe, someday. I just I haven't I haven't really had time to work on it. <laughs> but but is there are are there any Max patches, Tom, that maybe you've messed with for the that have been designed specifically for live environments that maybe are more generative or. Um, yeah, itself better to kind of improvising on a live environment. I mean, all of my patches are, are built around being able to be generative. In that, you know, I've got time to do other stuff when I'm playing live. I tend to do my own live visuals and audio at the same time with two laptops, so I'm keeping busy. Uh, but I tend to have elements that are very playable and improvisational in in a sense uh but you know with with recall so you know then the best thing about max is like it's just like infinite recall of different states and you know that that's pretty appealing and it's probably why i'll never get super into urac or something i've had a few moments i love i love it there's a big old one there but like (laughs) But but yeah, it, I get, I've had some moments where I get pretty pissed off with it, and um, <laughs> just like I've got this amazing patch, and then it sounds good, and I didn't record it, and you know, turned it off, and came back the next day. I'm pretty sure no one touched any knobs, and I f- fucked if I could get back to where I was. Like, <laughs> you know what else, Tom? Well, that that's an easy me. fix. It's an easy <laughs> fix, man. Just record everything you do. I know. You can I always you can always bin it afterwards. I you should know? not have gone to bed. I should have <laughs> I'll never use Eurorack 
because you can't take two entirely different patches or two entirely different states of your system and interpolate between them. Yeah. So it's fucking useless to me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, it's great for uh, people make great shit with Euro rack. I'm it's to me, it's totally useless. I can't do anything with it. If I can't interpolate between two states, there's no point. So, Mo, you, you, we're talking about live. Like, Max is one of those things where you literally could just do almost uh, max level iTunes, right? So it's a completely <laughs> generative patch, and you just freaking hit spacebar at the start, and off your max patch goes, and it spews out like IDM forever in a day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, as a live reformer, you have to, I, I like to. You know, things are not going to, for me in my patches that I design, things are not going to progress if I don't input myself, you know. And, you know, there's always that possibility of failure too. So uh, that keeps things interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what, I, what I'm what i shooting for. My ultimate goal is to just create a, an iTunes-level max patch. <laughs> uh, that sounds great to me. Yeah. So uh, you probably just want playlist tilde straight into like yeah. an, an output and you'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> and create a, a bang button just to play the next track. Oh, it did. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll sync it Amazing. to the actual. We'll sync it to the actual world clock, so that uh, you know your set starts at eight pm and finishes at eight eight thirty on the dot. Yeah. I, I see this question. I saw it in the chat. Uh, for the iPad Max, uh, Cycling seventy four has an application called Mira, where basically the UI that you've created in your Max MSP patch can just be beamed to your iPad, that's putting it simply, but uh, it's pretty straightforward. And then all the, uh, an element of the, or selection of the UI elements are exposed to the iPad and then you can multi-touch control them. But I'll be honest, I'm pretty interested in the new Touch OSC app that just came out, which looks pretty amazing, especially because it has uh, Lewis scripting and stuff so you could, there's a lot of possibilities. It seems. It seems like it's the new. The Touch OC might be the new uh, Lima in a sense. The Lima app hasn't been updated for a long time. Is this is this a new version of Touch OC that just? Yeah, came out? they just dropped it maybe four weeks ago or something. Yeah, oh, I'm uh, looking at it now. It looks pretty incredible. Uh, and the good, you know, the great thing about that is. Um, you know, working wirelessly with OSC is that you can, you know, you can be controlling multiple things at once, not just a max patch. Maybe it's a piece of hardware that uh, responds to OSC messages or something. Oh, yeah, they certainly did update this quite a bit. Yeah, it's kind of incredible, actually. And it's like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's kind of a key thing about um, really fully taking control is being able to have something to interface with, with a patch that you're designing with with Max and give it some sort of tactile control. Am I correct? Yeah, it's it. That's really key. I mean, you know, I love I love the computer <laughs> as a music making tool, and you know, it's probably still the the most versatile 
most powerful tool. I mean, you can get a $500 laptop from Costco and you've got more power than, you know, Aphex made his early tracks on or fucking they used to go to the moon. <laughs> you know, it's kind of incredible, but um, you still have to have the ideas. You still have to have the, you know, the motivation to, to go down that road. But, um, yeah, I you, you need the interface. I mean, uh, some of the most boring live music shows I've seen, uh, you know, was a guy clicking the mouse. But, but alternatively, probably had something to do with the sound because I do remember seeing uh, Thomas Kona play in Brisbane, Australia with a wine bar, a wine bar table, a laptop and uh, a, a big old glass of wine and he just like clicked the button, but holy shit, that sound blew my mind. Like surround four channel. So yeah, I mean, I think for you, it needs to be the right interface for you as a performer. And I, I like, I like options. And I also don't like staring into the laptop screen in a dark room and then looking up and being like, is fucking anyone even here? I can't see shit. That's why I make my UI totally dark. Yeah. I, Mine's, I think it's black. There's very little light coming off the screen. Like if, if I wouldn't be able to use it during the day, it only works in a completely black club. But then I can see it. Yeah. That's pretty technical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all, all my stuff goes out. It, every control is on a tactile uh, control point, like be it be it a multi-touch UI on the iPad or a physical MIDI controller. Because I, I, I don't know. I have something in my head where it's like if I have to click the fucking mouse button in the middle of a show, I failed. <laughs> you know, I feel that too. I hate using the mouse thing in the middle of yeah yeah it's a weird feeling i mean the 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 monom 128 and the arc 4 i've i've sort of built the ui around those instruments hmm. and which i think in my opinion for me they're the greatest instruments ever built the monom um so i don't ever have to touch the computer really at all i can completely navigate everything and i have you know mode switching so that the th you know it could be doing sliders one time or could flip and be a sequencer another time. Um, that's, that's been really great to get my hands off the computer. Hmm. You mentioned, you mentioned something earlier, uh, Josh, about um, doing stuff, which is not on the grid. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I, obviously it's also apparent in your music that you use stuff that sort of, um, you know, modulates in, 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 you know, weird timings and stuff. Um, how, how do you go about that? You know, is that something you've also built into your, uh, into your patch, into your instrument? That's what the whole system does. It's just a yeah. way of, it's a way of, of sort of unlocking tempo within Ableton Live. And it originally started out as a Mac standalone patch that, you know, had several little sequencers that could sequence a sample or a drum synth or something. <laughs> And then I split it into all these different devices in Max MSP, uh, in Mac, into Max for Live. So it's, you know, a, a main system that changes the tempo of, of Ableton. There's another one that, that will repeat notes at whatever interval you determine and 
that can be constantly shifting. And of course you can save states and interpolate between states. And those interpolations will cover all of the devices in the, in the whole session, um, which was the hardest, maybe the hardest thing to figure out is how to save states in multiple devices across, across patches. But I have, so, I have a very shitty hacked way to do that. So, so do you, do you mean that um, like you, it's not on the grid, but still deliberate, the timing? Yes. Right, yes. okay. It, it can be also, you know, set up to where there's a pattern that's, you know, sort of fluid or curved, or if you want to call it that. They can also, you know, loop every two bars to a specific tempo. Uh, so you can have it against something steady. And it'll mm-hmm. loop around correctly. There's a there's a good example of that on the last record in Arms Aloft, where there's this pattern that's constantly shifting, and but it loops to two bars. Right. Okay. So it's it's really a sequencer inside a sequencer kind of thing. Basically, yeah. It's yeah. just a way of it's just an alternate way of dividing time. It's yeah. not based mm-hmm. on equal subdivisions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I've I've done a loads of things recently with um, no clocks, you know, just uh, have stuff uh, run on its own clock or on, you know, whatever creates timing or creates intervals or whatever. And, you know, not having to deal with uh, with a grid and just having things float and sort of uh, lock together in different ways, in unexpected ways. It's just uh, gives you so much more, um, yeah, it takes your mind away from, from the, the, you know, the, the grid and and uh, also the it opens up a lot of sort of new uh, I wouldn't say accidents but you know it opens up a lot of things that in in the music that is that is just locking together in in some way because of course you end up tuning it you know to have it doing right. things that that do interesting stuff you know but I've really enjoyed um, that approach uh, recently that's um, it's really cool yeah it's a uh, it's it's a really liberating feeling. Yeah, that's the word. Liberation. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Then of course you can you know you can choose to chop it up and and put it against the grid afterwards. But uh, I I mostly I yeah I mostly like it for what it is. You know, in, you know, just let it be what it is, and not even attempt to fit it into um, like a structure later on. Just let it just let it be what it is. Um, there was a question in the comments um, that was directed to Tom and Josh. They asked, um, where do you find your ideas or concepts for algorithms? Um, a feel of random is often too easy, but so Euclidean. Um, how to come up with a good algorithm? I don't use algorithms. Yeah. I just yeah, kind of yeah, fuck around yeah, and see yeah, what sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I? Yeah. I mean, no, I, really. I, I, don't you have Fibonacci on your arm? Well, yeah, I mean, but that's like this. It's just a sequence of numbers. That's I mean, not. I, that's an algorithm. I mean, Fibonacci is a great way to work out how rabbits fucking multiply, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. But I, I, my, I'm not really mathematically brained. I'm sort of everything's sort of visual for me. Um, I mean, I guess the closest thing to an algorithm that I use right now is I'm currently. Uh, working on Markov chains to determine pattern selection, which is like, you know, it's just an A an A state and a B state and a C state right now. And, you know, there's levels of stickiness between A and B and C. And the more uh, the pattern stays on state A, it gets less and less sticky and is more likely to jump. I mean, it, it's, it's really pretty simple. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. really a complicated hey, guy. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, you're building these intricate, uh, um, you know, patches. But it's funny you say that because in the pre-chat, we were just uh, discussing each other's music for a bit. And, um, you know, like you, you, we were basically saying, okay, whenever a musician gets the question, how did you how did you do this you know this and this track and it you know it, it sounds so complicated that you must have had all these amazing ideas and all these things going on going going on to to produce it and it's lo mostly the answer for any musician is like oh, i was just fucking around you know, <laughs> having having fun you know <laughs> just to see what happened and it you know i settled for this it's so, funny he says markups are just this little thing but it's like that's that's one of the core elements of you know the basis of machine learning so it's like you know these little algorithms turn into bigger algorithms that do phenomenal shit like um yeah I, random is a funny one because it's just like uh yeah random is random and it will sound random um you know waiting waiting stuff is really where it gets fun like random within a certain amount of weight against certain uh certain other elements is a real interesting one um and you know i think with random you have to be pretty careful because ultimately we're human and we you know we want to gravitate towards some some element or we want to grab onto some element within a track or within a live set that someone's doing if you can't catch that you might not catch you know you might not appeal to the person uh which it's, yeah. that's interesting because that's that's the that's the thing that um that often happens when you're working with you know machines that are are spitting out data or you know uh, control voltage in or or you know uh, whatever um uh, you know it is still in the end um a matter of sort of curating what the machine is doing right because um, you ha you have it like uh, do things and you know no, no matter how smart your system is or how in, you know intricate your patch is, it's still it's still you know the musician or the the person who's handling the thing is deciding whether it's pleasing to the ear or not. You know, so mm. it's, it... I, I algorithmically I tend to you know uh, gravitate towards like Fibonacci, Markov things that represent environmental elements around us and and a big part of that reason is through like exploration i found that it's kind of pretty amazing when you put in like you know algorithms that represent photosynthesis or algorithms that represent the way uh aluminium can you know crushes or how a piece of paper uh you know how you crumble a piece of paper and how the lines with that first crumble are more more likely to crease in that point again over creating new ones and it's funny when you start to plug in these algorithms into something and then generate music from it surprisingly how pleasing some of them are mm. to the human ear like how or maybe not pleasing but how you can relate to it sonically yeah. because these things represent us they represent our surroundings yeah it's like and yeah I, li I like this idea of also perhaps challenging people you know not necessarily just going out there to please people make make everyone happy um you know 
the environment. I'm sure there's an algorithm to represent the crumbling of our environment at the moment. You know. <laughs> mm. uh, you know. Do you do you ever feel you have to you keep something in in the track because in in a piece of music because you felt the process uh, surprised you and you were really proud of how it how it came out and it you know uh, even though. Um, it sounds a bit weird or you know doesn't sound so pleasant like you're, you're you don't want to you don't want to part with uh you know you don't want to kill it because you, it took you so much effort to get there or something I don't like know that. About that i'm not i'm not afraid of scrapping shit that right i'm like oh man i spent two hours on that and it still sounds like, <laughs> like uh, i scrapped 90 percent of what i mean yeah but almost oh, yeah. yeah i i the reason why i'm not prolific is it's not that I'm not prolific. It's just that y'all motherfuckers aren't hearing any. <laughs> it's all bad. So, you know, I have the one. Let me please allow me to pat myself on the back uh, by saying that the one thing that I can definitely do as a creator or as a musician is I am very, very good at censoring myself. <laughs> all right. I'm good at good at editing. Good at saying now you, you have to discriminate against your own work ruthlessly, dispassionately. <laughs> You have to be able to look at it and go, this is trash. It's going in the circular file. No one is going to hear this. But, you know? but how do you know when you're, you're not being too hard on yourself? Uh, you don't. Uh, well, and the other thing is, Josh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to something you've created two years ago, you might look at it from a completely different perspective and you might actually give it a different value. So um, yeah, if you've been it instantly, you know, uh, do you still keep it around for late, later evaluation or you actually get rid of it and never look at it again? It's funny you say that because I had this experience yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I, I do this other project with uh, Turk Dietrich from Belong called Second Woman. And we basically, um, in 2019, basically made a full length um, and neither, both of us sort of felt like, mm, nah, it's not really cutting it. So it's just been sitting there. Turk opened a restaurant. I went to go do Telephone Tel Aviv. Then the pandemic happened. And, you know, so we haven't had time to, to, to deal with it. But I started flipping through it again yesterday and listened to it. And I went, oh, God, so this is really good. Like, maybe uh, maybe we were just too zoomed in and couldn't, couldn't see the bigger picture. Mm, yeah. uh, so I, I don't always... I, when I say I put it in the circular file, there's like a repository, a separate hard drive that's not part of the work drive, where just it's just full of stuff. It's full of stuff that's categorized by project, and uh, and it all has dumb names, but names that mean something to me, so that I'll remember. Oh, it was that piece. Hmm. And there's a ton of stuff in there. There's a ton of telephone, television stuff in there. Second Woman, Sons of Magdalene, all of it. It's all in there. And uh, every once in a while, I'll go back and cannibalize one of those ideas if I need to make something. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's possible in like 20 or 25 years we'll have some telephone Tel Aviv archive. Mega these, books. There's a ton of it and no one's heard any of it and not even my friends. I don't I just it, it takes me even like a really, really long time or I have to feel really strongly about a piece of music to even play it for, for a buddy. Mm. Like it's basically got to be finished and ready for a record for me to be able to even play it for a friend. I very rarely, very rarely will play an idea that isn't finished, completely finished. It's got to be at least 90, 95% done. Hmm. Uh, but I'm not, it's don't, don't do that. Don't guys, don't, don't do it the way I do it. It's, it's bad. It's bad. Don't be Josh. Yeah. Don't, 
fucking please. I mean, Andre's space is pretty cheap these days. I mean, you know. No wonder he yeah, plays man. Dark Souls, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, hard drive space is amazing. Let me show you this. If I can get this in the... This, this little thing is a... It's My entire sample library is on this. 500... <laughs> five, 500 mega second throughput over USB three. Wow! It's what's the what's the capacity? In, uh, two terabyte. Gee, man! Josh, <laughs> we're Josh living in the future. An entire sound library on a monolith. It's <laughs> great. It's, it's, it's literally the size. It's the size of a piece of gum. Essentially, it's this tiny little thing. Yeah, that's what the monkeys were reaching out for when they saw that shit. <laughs> yeah, man, if you just showed that to me 20 years ago, if you just showed it to me that it was this big, it was an SSD, it was connected via USB, had the throughput that it has, and would cost me 160 bucks to put it together, I would have shit a brick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the future. I'm living in the future that I hoped, <laughs> at least in terms of uh, data storage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not the dystopian part, but the data storage part. Not okay. the part yeah, where yeah. you know the mountains behind my house are literally on fucking fire right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. The roads are cracking open. And- the fire, the fire brigade is trying to roll by Josh's place. He's like, "I've got a two terabyte drive." <laughs> it's, it's cool. Man. We've made it. It's, it's cool, man. Like I can, you know, like oh shit, Max Verstappen's probably gonna win the fucking championship this year. Like, you know, <laughs> some stuff's cool, you know. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I have hard drives too, like Josh. Tons of shit from going way back. Um, I actually just, and I did just pull up a bunch of shit that I used in, in a record that I released last week, actually. So, and it's funny because it was a bunch of shit that I thought, I, I remember seeing it on the hard drive a few years ago. I was like, why am I fucking even keeping this? Like, <laughs> and, you know, it was yeah. just looking for a certain sound source that had certain tonal characteristics. And it's like, oh, I got a whole folder here of this stuff. Let's, let's reprocess with a uh, 21st century max patch and see how it sounds, you know? Yeah. Um, that's one of the interesting things is like, as your capabilities as a musician, even not just, you know, a patcher or a programmer expand how it is something interesting conceptually too, about drawing something from the past that you perhaps didn't, didn't really associate with, but thought it was important enough to take up a few megabytes. Yeah. Uh, dragging it back into a, a new world. Mm-hmm. How, how often do you guys, or let me put it this way. Do you feel the need to add to your max patches or to redesign something from scratch? If you're working on a new album and you want, you want a new approach or a new take on that album instead of, having similar elements to what have been in the past album. <laughs> it's a, a long, slow, iterative study. You know, the patch is never really done. Mm. It's just constantly changing and getting little bits added and little bit, little bits perfected or tightened up. But uh, yeah, I mean, like for me, at least, I think before we go into another Second Woman record, there's like, I have early studies of like, uh, 
a sort of systems design that I want to use to like build out a system to make the next one. Um, and, uh, that is gonna, it's gonna, yeah. So it is starting from scratch. It's like a new sort of a new idea that I want to explore for second woman. And then, uh, I'll have to build that out over a long period of time and Turk will have to look at it and add some stuff to it and take some stuff away. And I feel like it'll probably never be really finished. So, so another four years of procrastinating, <laughs> pretending that you're designing a new patch and you're just trying to avoid making music or something like that. Well, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. You know, I, I'm not ashamed to admit it, dude. It's I have making music is hard for me. You know, yeah, no um, shit. me too. It's 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 working hard. If if it's really really easy for you, you're probably making kind of whack shit. It's okay. You know, like if you're, you know. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's hard for me. Well, it, I mean, there's there's also the a lot of people saying if it comes out very easily, effortlessly, it's usually good. And if it takes oh, a long I time, totally agree. Yeah, and if it if it takes a long time and it and it's you know you have to kind of fight fight it into something, you know, you have to kind of turn it around and and change it a lot, you know, and and just work hard on it. It it might not be the best idea to begin with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with, for all of my whinging about music is hard and blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, the best stuff I've ever done was stuff that happened like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, so I, like I mean... constantly arm wrestling with my music when I'm trying to the, write anything. Yeah. <laughs> the frustrating... I mean, oh, you know this, like... The frustrating yeah. thing, though, is you never you can never predict or never set the circumstances up in a, in a such a way that these things happen effortlessly. You know, it's always they just have to come along. These moments just no, have to you come. get lucky. You get yeah, exactly. <laughs> the stars have to align or something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know. Yeah. So, so what are, what are without giving your secrets away? What what are these? What are, what are some of the new ideas? To some of the new approaches you're thinking about then for for your new patches. In a very general sense, yeah, sure. Um, uh, you know, again, dealing dealing with time, and how time sort of, you know, it uh, when it's moving around, um, when it's a moving target for the listener, to me that's interesting. I like the way that sounds. So now, what I'm trying to figure out is ways to have, you know, how to make sounds using thousands of notes at a time instead of a chord of three or four notes. Now I'm trying to break down the entire MIDI spectrum, the entire, you know, 127 pitches. I'm trying to use those as a spectrum to make sounds. Oh, okay. So it's really, I, it's a bitch I, to fix. I've got a prototype of it working and it's, it works, but it sounds like shit. I, th um, I think there's, there's this, um, it, it's, so, it, it's not the same, but it reminds me of something I saw uh, a while ago, this um, this application that kind of analyzes sound and sort of works like FFT, but in MIDI. So basically, mm -hmm. it, it analyzes the sound, and for each uh, sound in every sort of uh, you know frequency, uh, uh, you know uh, how do you say that, like band, uh, it triggers a MIDI note, so you can actually play a song through it and and have, have the MIDI's. Uh, yeah, basically I know the spit, spit out. Yeah, spit out the notes that it sort of re resembles the the actual audio instead of the uh, instead of the notes. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
Yeah. It sounds really interesting. It's like, uh, what it, I mean, it sort of varies, results vary on whatever you fit into it, of course. But anyway, but that was just something I thought of. They but did I that. mean, is test it, case the, was done with Despacito, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> to do down and just played with piano samples. And it yeah, sounds yeah, just yeah. like a really lo-fi... Uh, it's it's cool it's a weird it's a weird sort of you know technologically ontological way of listening to, to i think music. we're talking about the same thing yes and mm-hmm. and it it sounds like a vocoder but it doesn't you know it's it's a bit weird but yeah it's 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 rep- replicated using piano notes yes exactly um but anyway so so you're talking about these all all these notes is is that a similar thing like stacking things in a way to create other sounds is it is sort of granular way or something is that what you're talking about Uh, oh is he frozen yeah i think we lost him (laughs) oh there you are there he is can you hear us josh He's got that Pasadena bandwidth. Yeah, <laughs> he was telling us about it earlier. Old <laughs> Town is is right. <laughs> oh, I think uh, we've he, there's a clone. Here we go. <laughs> hey, we work on wire internet. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, he's yeah, right. Been- even in live stream, he sounds IDM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it's, like the, it's like the Autechre remix over here. Yeah. I think okay, you're. Uh, I think we can hear you again. Is it cool? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we got you back. Okay. Yeah, the audio and, and video isn't isn't sync at the moment, but maybe it'll it'll recover. I don't know. Let's try. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody in the comments said there must be a Zoom glitch max patch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I there was I was know, just asking I, I was just asking you um, if this the, those new ideas you're talking about is it comparable to comparable to granular in some way like is it uh, to granular synthesis? Uh, no, because I'm not really thinking about it in terms of resynthesizing something that exists already. I'm using it as a tone generator. But the problem is right. to to play this many notes uh, using MIDI is proving problematic for my computer. I need a tone, ge- and also I need a tone generator that can actually play that many notes at the same time. Um, which there aren't. Yeah, any. you're gonna have you're gonna have there a lot of fun with. It exist. Uh, no, you're gonna have a lot of fun with uh, um, compensating delays and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so in order to make this work, um, uh, yeah, I'm currently trying to build out the build out the tone generator for it, um, which I've, again I've got a working prototype that doesn't sound like I sound yet. Hmm. We'll see. Can y'all hear me? Am I am I like Max? Am I like Apex Twin glitching out? <laughs> <laughs> it's very suitable. I gotta tell you, man, it works. What about what about the visual element of Max? I mean, have you guys explored integrating, um, like what what is it, jitter into your into your live mm-hmm. performances? Yeah, absolutely. Can you speak a little bit about the process of how you can how you make the two elements work together seamlessly? Talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine's I mean, too simple. Like, to- <laughs> 
you know, Stagetto has been around almost 20 years now. I think it was 2004 that it came out. So, you know, and I think originally it was a separate package that you would purchase, but, you know, it's been integrated as Umbrella Max for a long time now. But, um, you know, there's something nice about it. And, yeah, Touch Designer can do it as well. Uh, but, you know, Touch Designer doesn't have such as an extensive audio side of things um the the beauty of uh jitter if you use it with your max patches it's just so easy to integrate some visual elements that uh tie into the audio work you know obviously you can make the pulsing light to the kick drum pretty easily but like you know you can make stuff that represents you know elementary uh algorithmic elements that you've designed into your synthesis that you know are visualized in different ways uh and there's something nice about the synchronicity or asynchronicity that you can generate between the two because they're all one and the same uh they're in the same application you're not trying to run two different things and sync them with external hardware or something um it's what I, you know, it's the only thing I do my visuals in. So uh, I've dabbled in some other visual programs, but yeah, just makes sense to be there since, you know, it's what I know. Is the language so, of designing a jitter similar to what would be in touch designer or is it, I mean, being that they're both kind of node based or is it, or is it? Yeah, uh, and you know, in terms of using textures and GL, OpenGL, and, and you know, a lot of that terminology is is actually across all of the different you know video programs that exist out there, and especially mm -hmm. when you start creating your own shaders, which is where you you know write out a piece of code that you know represents texture generation and the likes. That code can be then used in other things. Like actually, Andrew Benson, a colleague, Pixel Power of, of mine, just released or, sh or pointed out that a shader that he wrote back in like 2009, that he's seen it cropping up in all of these other video applications. You know, because Touch Design has nodes but then it also has a node where you can write in text text-based coding in a shader you know and max has that as well and a lot of those things are universal across different applications so yeah it's 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 interesting but there's just something about that uh yeah i mean i see i see people who do tie together max or the msp the music side of, of Max to Touch Designer. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it really, you know, it's a personal choice again. So, so when you play live and you're doing both, um, is there some, are you both performing both live? Uh, are, are you making like um, uh, choices for, for, for the audio part and the visual part? Uh, simultaneously or do you give the the audio priority and is the visuals are they following along because they are they are obviously linked you know but right um what is what is the occupying your mind the most when you when you play live what is the it's pretty hard to do both of them 
you know, you, you, you can't, yeah. you can't, you've only got one mind. So you're, yeah. and you're also, if you think about it on stage, unless you're made the iTunes max patch, <laughs> there's a feedback loop going on, right? So you're projecting out the sound and you're listening to it come back in. If you're actually playing max live, like an instrument, uh, you know, and adjusting stuff and progressing the set. And so visually, because that's usually behind you too, that's sometimes hard to see, but that's where I, I run a second laptop and I sync the two uh, for a few reasons. I want the jitter visuals to have a high frame rate and it, usually something has to give if you're trying to run them both on the same machine. Uh, so, so that's something I'll do. And then... The, the visual side of things will progress, but it's taking audio cues from what I'm creating. So it's doing spectral analysis. It's evolving based on what I'm playing. So there's a little, you know, bit of an AI element there in a sense. And, but then I can go, the, the, the visual side does have its own dedicated controller. So I can able to change things and be able to, manipulates things there might be a section where i'm playing that's a little less uh requires a little less interaction from me in terms of like constant input where i can then have some fun with the visuals so that's a, you know and it's i i don't know if you know I, i'm not really versed in other video software to be honest so i live software so i'd be speculating and seeing whether that's possible or not in another context for other people who use other applications but there's something beautiful about the way that they work because they're in the same the same application did you, you ever did, oh, oh, sorry i was saying you mentioned something about your friend's shader being used in other applications yeah Are there like any kind of I don't know, intellectual property ownership over patches or, or things like that in, in the Max world? Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing. Uh, you know, if, if, you, if you're really concerned about your IP, then you just don't share anything. Um, yeah. There was a couple of, um, you know, back in the early 2000s, uh, the, the Orteca boys did drop a couple of patches that were not, completely finished or whatever and it created a bit of a shit show to be honest and i think it's largely the reason why they're not on the cycling 74 forums anymore because they like sean used to be on there um although he may be on there under an alias these days but um you know I, I think if you're really concerned about ip you just don't put it out there if you're not so precious about it then you put it out there it's a, it's an interesting one because max is not open source you know it is a commercial piece of software but it is a very generous community so um you know if you are really interested in an artist and and their particular patch output if you had the time you could probably surf through various websites and the forums and piece piecemeal together what you think their, you know, studio patch or live patch might be just from questions they've asked over the years and little bits of patching that they've shared. Uh, but yeah, the sharing element of it is pretty amazing. I mean, you've got maxforlive.com where people put up free Max for Live devices. There's like 14,000 Max for Live devices there. I think in the Cycling 74 forums, it's something like 40,000 patches. Like, 
<laughs> you know, you could, there is no shot of it. Uh, and I still do it. it. You know, I still will occasionally have an idea and be like, well, I wonder if someone else has been down this rabbit hole already, right? So, you know, I'll do a search and find several threads and it's inspiring actually. You know, that's, that's I, I think cool. it's. I think it's actually qu quite a, a logical or a natural thought, you know, because you're spending so much time uh, programming your instrument and building that environment. That is as much a valid uh, piece of uh, you know work um, to you know to to to, to be deserved that deserves to be out there for people to enjoy and and watch. I guess. I mean unless you're not finished with it and you need to continue you need yeah. to keep it private to continue your work or something but it could be, could as much be considered as as an end result or as a yeah as a piece of work you know as much as the the audio you've generated with it or the music you've made with it yeah it's what's what's really interesting is seeing so i i did a live stream back in april last year about using this element within msp called mc I made this little Max for Live device. And after the live stream, I just put it out there. Mm. And it's called MC Rate Drum. Uh, and it's kind of uh, incredible still how often it comes up. I get tagged. Someone's taken it. They've taken it in this whole other direction. And then someone else will have taken it in another direction. And someone will be making ambient music with it. And someone will be making IDM with it. And it's... Um, yeah, it's pretty cool to see, you know, like I, I like the device as it is, but then someone else saw another possibility for it. And that's one of the beauties of, it's like getting the Nord lead too and being like, you know what? <laughs> I really wish I could put another filter in it. <laughs> so you just like put in another filter in, in the world that I live in with Max, you know, it's kind of, yeah. um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's not. The same thing, obviously, but um, for some people, it could be a really nice sort of uh, look inside the machine, you know, and see. Uh, it could also kind of enlighten or or give comment to or provide context uh, mm. about the artist that has been, uh, you know, uh, using this tool to create um, this stuff with it. You know, I mean, music is a everybody understands music you know you like it or not but you know what it is and you know how to interpret it and you know it sort of speaks in a sort of uh, yeah uh, from familiar uh, language as where the a max patch or, or, or an instrument you've designed is only interesting for a very specific group of people who are mm -hmm. um, so it's not the same thing but I think you know it's it's a it's a for people who are interested and it could provide context context around the work itself I think right I, I love that, you know, we all started off on this journey and I think one big mistake that is often made in the music industry is this, you know, individuality uh, element that is perceived because, no, we're all in this together as we've, we're all in this bloody world together as we found out. We all gave each other the fucking virus in the last year, you know, like, <laughs> cap capitalism, I guess. Yeah, you know, capitalism would like us to, to continue to think we're individuals and so would politics, but we're not. And, you know, the great thing about the Max community is you never forget you, you started your journey. And I think the most phenomenal artists and musicians are those that just continue to give back to the community. And it's not that hard to do, really. Like, like yourself, what you're doing right now. I mean, I'm sure you could be off 
having a blast jamming right now. But no, you, you're giving back to the community now too. And I think for me, that's as much as part of being uh, an artist these days as the the actual output or what you're sharing. And you just mm. never know too. Like uh, you share you, what you think might be something little or small or a piece of patching or an insight or a tip. You're like, whatever but like that could be the beginning of someone's journey their career Mm. you know yeah and the the other thing about sharing tools is that tools are pretty much open-ended you know and um you know music is finished it's basically you know the artist has drawn the line okay it's done uh move on you know and and it has a final state and as whereas an instrument um you know is totally open and it could be used by other people to create stuff which is completely different and has a very you know it could it could actually surprise the maker of the instrument you know that you hear that from people who build synths or whatever you know what the fuck are they doing you know getting these sounds out of my out of my synth or out of my machine you know it's incredible so i i think you know it, that's a beautiful thing too if you just pass it on and and just um start it, it starts to lead its own life you know yeah yeah i want to know what tom has against um the nord too <laughs> What's your personal beef with the Nord Two? Not as dope as the Nord One. That's the gripe. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. All right. Good. No, I, lo- I love it. it uh, the Nord Lead it's Two just is missing my, a fucking filter. The Nord <laughs> needs one more. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, the Nord Lead Two is my first synth. I, I the Nord stuff, I, the early Nord stuff, I should say. I'm not so into stage pianos <laughs> and that crap now, but. Mm. Uh, <laughs> The early Nord stuff was is was mind blowing, and I think the Nord modular was before its time. Like I think if it actually came out now, it would be freaking gigantic. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah I, if they were smart, they would. I don't. I, I'm sure no one from Nord is ever going to know that we're saying this, but like, if they want to sell a lot of units of something, they'd make a new. Yeah. They'd make a G3. Because yeah, every amazing. fucking dork in the universe would buy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I was having a chat with Inigo Kennedy about the Nord um, modular G2, and I was telling him how much I wanted to get into it, but I can't because it's not compatible with any computer systems that I own personally right now. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be fucking amazing if they actually Eight did something system. new. Yeah, the editor is uh, only 32 bits, so now every all the OS is a 64 only. You got to have a dedicated machine for it, and um, the, everyone I know that has one is just like put an old MacBook Pro aside just to run the Nord editor. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think some um, I've seen people petition them over the years, and I I think they're making too much money from selling stage pianos to give a shit. So. Um, I think I heard I heard they got burnt a little bit. The G two, they just couldn't sell it. Like guitar, <laughs> guitar center floor guys just had no idea of how to explain it to someone coming in, you know. And it was what uh, nearly three k, and you still needed to buy a PC back in the mid two thousands, where another couple of thousand dollars, right? So back then. But we've come to an age now where we don't need to depend on stores like Guitar Center to sell products because really? if you go to Guitar mm. Center these days, they don't sell really anything that I would ever use. It's usually, I mean, you go there for cables and MIDI cables at, at most. 
You know, it's funny uh, you personally. say that. It's funny you say that, Mo, because I'd say aside from my mono stuff, everything yeah. that I use, you can buy a guitar sound. <laughs> Literally, my well, okay, no, my that should be the liner notes of your album. I got my speakers at Vintage King, but, but uh, pretty much everything else is just whatever. Yeah, the next care. the next album, rather than a list of gear used, which seems to become popular, you can just put guitars and. Uh, <laughs> I, I have nothing to hide, man. Like, yeah, I have a, you know, I use the same shit that everybody else uses. It's, it's just you know. Uh, you can buy it anywhere. I don't even have no. a lot of stuff, you know. He's, like, he's keeping that M Audio USB Quattro sound card alive. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but I mean, I use it. I use RME stuff, which you can buy at Guitar Center, right? Like, yeah. I didn't buy it there, but you can buy it there. Like, I, I like, like the R. I like the RME stuff because they write their own drivers, and it's like really yeah. fast, and it's super, super reliable, and it, to mm-hmm. me, it sounds better than the Motu stuff, and. I, I don't really, I've, like, I cordially dislike monitoring through an Apollo system, through a UAD Apollo system. It sounds a little, it's just a little soft for me somehow. It's not as pointy as I want it to be. So so do you guys run stuff outside to process, outside the box to process it and go back in? Or is everything taking place inside the computer? I, for me, it's both. Okay. It depends. I like hardware reverb for certain mm. things. Um, what about you, Tom? Yeah, I, I I just this album I did the other that w- went out the other week. Uh, a lot of the Mac stuff, it's it ended up going through this tape echo um, echo fix. This Australian company makes it. It's basically a space echo two hundred one. Oh, is that the blue the blue thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally right there, and. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not too. I'm not. I don't give a shit about is it digital, is it analog, blah blah blah. It's you know, it's the sound, and um, there's something beautiful about running droney kind of granular stuff through tape. Oh man, um, yeah. So that's and yeah, outboard wise, I'm I'm a big fan of going through you know old turbo rat pedals and stuff like that to get just. There's just a crunchiness that you can get. It just no matter how many um, distortion algorithms you pile on, they just don't, it just doesn't get there, you know. Yeah, and it's super fast. You know, one box does the trick. You know, if you like the sound, you use it. If you don't, you you use another one. Yeah. 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 So this is a big one for me. Oh, which this, is a, this is a big one. I like. I'm really into the Boss stuff and with mm-hmm. Wazacraft. They've been they've been doing a lot of like remaking classic pedals i love the dimension c chorus hmm. it's my favorite but how often do you use your metal zone though i have a metal zone i haven't used it in a while <laughs> it's funny you say that because i just bought the uh i just pre-ordered the waza craft hm2 the heavy metal pedal. I don't uh, like thomas, the, thomas getting his pedal collection out <laughs> i don't like the metal zone but this one fucking slays and it's the magic a is bunch of them up in there the magic <laughs> yay uh, i got quite a few crap. down here as well and then this guy the rat oh the rat yeah yeah nice. it's a classic pure filth that mega distortion reminds me of every punk band i was in, in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because I you know. I mean, the, that's the thing. You know, I mean, of course, it, it, there's amazing things you can do inside the computer, but there's always uh, uh, or the, the chance to get like these sort of harsh edges of, of stuff, um, which can sometimes be desirable, but other times you want to get rid of them. So you use tape then, and anything else? Do you got any preamps or whatever that you use to soften up the sound a bit or something? I use the UAD stuff a lot, uh, although I'm pretty curious about what Josh has just been saying, and um, I, d I am in the market for a new live audio interface that could be an RME, in fact, and I, I don't think it will be much else, to be honest. That's what I've actually been looking at, but yeah. Uh, Let's talk about that afterwards. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, there's still, like, sometimes the, the sound for me is synthesized in Max, and sometimes the whole patch is just a massive effects processor, or it's granular synthesis. So the material I bring in is really important. Here's a little instrument I made that looks like the dodgiest piece of shit ever. <laughs> but it's basically... A single string, it's um, yeah. it's it's just a bit of musical wire and then the like so I magnetized the wire, right? Magnetized it and then I got the Ebo and then just fucking wail on that and have the and, and mic it up and run it into Max and go bananas. Yeah. Serious great for drones. And then you know I can I can pull this up and down to change the the pitch. Yeah, it's kind of like some really nice hillbilly like folk. It's serious. <laughs> it's serious back stuff, Mike. <laughs> Mike, where's the dig, Mike? Oh yeah, right. yeah. Oh, it's great. Oh yeah, I have some didgeridoo samples that are fucking outrageous. Oh yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> what about you, Josh? I know you're a multi-instrument player. You've got a pretty wide range of instruments you play. Do you ever run anything through your Max patches yourself? Uh, I, not so much. Max for me is more about manipulating MIDI. Um, but yeah, I have a couple things to... Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Mm. I don't build... Um, Hillbilly outback uh, <laughs> shit like Tom is or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I'm not that smart or creative, but uh, yeah, you know. I like the instruments, you know. Mo, well, you said you you were um, uh, dabbling in in uh, in Max. Have you what what have you been doing with it? What is um, do you get any results you like, or are you still in the frustrated yeah. programming mode. <laughs> so it's nothing worth worth reporting to that's for sure i mean i took this course and i think we built like a four channel mixer and learned how to bring in sounds into it and what what I, would you want to do because you you've got plenty of uh, you know stuff around what which is sort of yeah. instantly accessible what what is it what, what are you what are you looking for well i think at some point i was just starting to look for alternative ways to generate rhythmic um, ideas that was a little outside of the box, a little bit more generative. And, you know, I was trying to explore multiple different ways of being able to just make something different than what I was used to, like, you know, step editing things in a, in a piano roll or using a step sequencer in a drum machine. And um, 
I had come across some of those max patches that attacker had had leaked or had gotten leaked and I played around with them. And I just really wanted to have a deeper understanding of exactly how they worked. I mean, my, my experience has, has been far more around reactor mm. and kind of learning how to program. When I did the last belief defect album, Luis and I had developed our own reactor patch, which basically was the foundation of the entire album. And I was kind of looking for a new platform to kind of stumble across this new instrument that I could base on. Um, I'm still wrapping my head around Max, and I'm still playing around with it often. I, I look at other patches people try to do and try to dissect them and try to understand them a little bit better. But uh, yeah, I'm still in the learning process of it, and it'd be I, fun I to port. It'd be fascinating. It'd be fun to port that reactor patch to Max. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. To I mean, do a, a rebuild idea. of it. Do a rebuild. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. I mean, it's not. It's not only been Max. I mean, I, I was. I, I've been like kind of researching in title cycles and kind yeah, of I was going to bring, oh, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. 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 Just so all cool. kinds of different ideas just to kind of think outside and break my norm a little bit and try to find mm. something new to, to inspire me musically. So that's why I find this conversation incredibly intriguing. And I was really excited to talk to you guys because, you know, it's, it's a world that I'm deeply interested in diving. It's been around forever. You know, I've seen, I've seen it around forever. All my friends use it, and it's just something that I want to have a deeper understanding of. Cool. Yeah. Have you, have you guys tried uh, Tidal Cycles? We we um, we had the um, uh, the guy who wrote it on on the uh, on the chat, and together with Ben uh, Deru, you know, and mm-hmm. and I must say that. Uh, you know, he he started it around then, and the la- the last time I spoke to him, he was actually already quite advanced in in um, um, you know getting interesting results. You know, so it's it's got a steep um, learning curve, but it's you know it's doable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's sort of the next frontier for me when I have some mm. time to to learn something new, which I don't have right now, which I wish I did. Um, yeah, I yeah, guess I, I, Alex I found McLean. Out Sandra saying Alex McLean. Yeah, we had him on Alex. That's right. From it might Atari, be possible so. the Delta variant might buy you some more time to to dive into. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> People in LA are not yeah. wearing masks, man. They are like nobody is wearing masks here. Yeah, yeah. I think the the the. Um, it's all got to be confusing for people now. They're all getting the information from so many. Like I was like, "What are we meant to wear masks again now?" Like, oh, I'm so confused. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the the will for w- willingly, um, you know, uh, ambivalent kind of people that uh, you know don't want to know the information, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, I think Ben is going to play Tidal Cycles live at this September show. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be cool. I'm excited to hear how he navigates that. Yeah, we're we're hosting another one of our Black Noise nights this September. And um, Ben's coming out to do a Tidal Cycles set. Awesome. Is that going to and, be uh, recorded or uh, in some way or streamed? Or is not it just- streamed, but maybe okay. we'll re- I mean, that's not a bad idea. I can kind of explore that. But Kindome is also playing, who's um, Mike Hodnick. Mm. Yeah, Mike Hodnick. He's also coming down to play with us, as well as Richard Devine and, and the crew. So that'll be an interesting thing to jump into. 
Mike Mike's great. He's good value and uh, total sleeper. Like you know, he's not online that much. A little bit of Instagramming here and there, but like his output, his output is so good. Yeah. Um, I saw him at the Algorithmic Art Assembly in uh, twenty. Well, no, I have no idea what year now. I don't know. Twenty nineteen, I think it was or twenty started. Yeah, it was twenty nineteen. Uh, and it blew my mind, like surround system at the gray area and his set was so good. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a hell of a, a lineup, uh, uh, Mo. Yeah. We're getting into throwing algo raves. Nice. No, that sounds, that sounds really cool. I wish you could be there. Um, oh, we've got uh, a question. Oh, no, no, it's not a question. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, Tom, before you started using Jitter, did you ever come, come across this uh, stuff by Anti-Orb, like the NATO Plus 55? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played around with that for a while as well. It's incredible stuff. And, you know, it's very mysterious and very unpredictable, and but, you know, pretty out there. If you ever want an interesting story to read about, look up NATO times jitter or something like that's a that's an interesting one i think the creator of nato ended up trying to sue cycling 74 and all oh really yeah well there were some developers on nato who were current cycling 74 employees um yeah i know i i still don't know the full story and i've heard it from many people's mouths but um yeah, it, it, and, and even the creator, the whole piece of software was had this myth of, mythological element to it. So they would NATO developers would turn up to trade shows and the creator would be a different person each time. Mm. It turned out they were hiring actors <laughs> <laughs> to turn up to these trade shows. Yeah, I mean, all, all the stuff they put <laughs> out, if, whether whether it was one person or whether it was a group or something, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, but everything they did was uh, was deliberately uh, confusing people about their identity and stuff like that. They, oh, that's one thing. At one point, they stopped selling. They would not sell licenses to Americans anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that one. They were like, "Yeah, you you it, 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 you could not buy a license if you're in America." Yeah, it was a weird combination of like <laughs> like a internet internet art um you oh, know yeah. vis visual art and maybe also some activism you know there was yeah. lot, like a lot of things blended into each other it was really weird but um yeah I did some shows with that stuff you know like uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you I, think they would hire Americans to be actors <laughs> at a trade show cuz I could use a job? <laughs> yeah I, I still wonder what happened to that like it just fizzled out the finale was a few lawsuits against a couple of cycling 74 employees that fizzled out as well and then then no one's heard anything from anyone since for mm -hmm. like 15 years or something right um, maybe it was an inside job <laughs> Maybe, maybe <laughs> someone someone has some engineering programming skills though. So it's like mm. they must. Who, where are they now? Um, I can tell you. I know this person. Oh, oh, oh! Bring it on. Bring a Josh sitting like a silent, oh, yeah, yeah. weapon, <laughs> holding back information. I spoke to her two months ago. Um, uh, I, it's pretty public knowledge who it is. Who was responsible for the whole thing? 
um, Anti Orb or Netoshka, whatever they call it. Netoshka Nezvanova is actually yeah. a actually a Kiwi woman named Rebecca Wilson. Oh, and, okay. uh, uh, she used to stay at my house in Chicago when she'd come into town. Um, she's brilliant, uh, a maniac in the best kind of way, but also uh, like a hopeless romantic. Uh, you know, she's real dreamy eyed about it. Um, she has like a, a real optimism about art and technology that I've always found really inspiring. Um, now she is, she runs a company that uh, she's made these plugins for streaming directly in and out of a DAW. And they were the first, they've been doing it in and out of Pro Tools since 2006, um, where you could track in one Pro Tools in Rotterdam and then stream it to somebody else's Pro Tools in Los Angeles. Right. It's been working okay. for 15 years, working really well. Cool. I've used it. It's great. What is it called, Josh? Source Connect. Nice. Interesting. It's great. Mm. And well, does it only work in Pro Tools? I don't. I think it's. I think it's uh, probably a, a, all the other ones as well now too. Mm. Nice one. Yeah. yeah. I've been using. I've been using Ninjam a lot during the lockdown to connect with other people like with Mo we've done a, a jam together but you always have to to compensate for the latency somehow yeah and if you're working on something non real time if you're just connecting two machines and working on something which is sort of um you know like in arrangement mode and you know you're just uh, basically dropboxing files up and down you know that, that kind of style then it that doesn't really make uh, that you don't really have to deal with the latency it's just you know there is latency but it doesn't really matter but if you actually want to play together in real time you have to compensate you know however little the latency is you still you're still mm. missing something you know you still so ninjam compensates for that with um, <coughs> by delaying the sound on each side by two bars so exactly two bars. So you can be in sync, but it is just, uh, you know, buffered and then spit out on the other side. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. And that works Audio really, loops. really well. That's cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. There's a good one called uh, Audio Movers. Yeah. It's movers. awesome. Yeah. That one does. Pre that's pretty impressive. Um, and in terms of like, you're not stuck using MP3s, uh, MP3 compression. You can actually do, if you have the internet, you can do a uh, pretty high bit rate. Yeah. Hmm. And that also has delay compensation. So you can, you can do a ping, you can do a ping to work out what the round trip latency is and then factor that in. Seems like it's a free public beta online. I think they have a paid license too, but what do you mean? Oh, nice. Oh, shit. They really st stepped it up since I last looked at it. <laughs> That's sweet. Wow. Yeah, public beta six. Damn. Dollars high quality audio streaming. Yeah, I know a few mastering engineers and stuff who, who were using it this past year to do, like, you know, like rather than sending back mixes, but actually playing them back to artists and and um, you know getting mm. some real time feedback in in without that ability to be in the same room together. 
Actually, that's not a bad idea. I remember when we mastered the our last belief defect record, we had a, a sit-in session <coughs> at Calyx. I mean, Josh, you do mastering for records too. I mean, mm-hmm. that'd be a pretty great way to be able to have an artist sit in on a session and, and listen to a mastering session by being able to stream them what you're doing in a live environment. Yeah. Without have compression you- too, you know, and, and the latencies in that case is so small, it doesn't matter. You just feel like, hey, that one part, can we change it? Did you did you guys see this other thing called Elk? Um I just got a mail from them today and um, it, I signed up for it a while ago when I was looking for ways to do, you know, jams over the internet and I stumbled upon this thing called Aloha and then, you know, it went quiet for a while and now they've just released this hardware thing. Um, so basically both sides need this hardware box and uh, they promise to, you know, have this uh, no latency jamming over the internet experience with hardware mm. that's so crazy yeah it's called elk now it used to be called aloha but it's now elk, aloha it's, by in, elk. it's in sweden they're in sweden interesting i'll check it out yeah that's inter- i love you know i mean i guess there's some okay good stuff coming out of the pandemic right is is this we've we everyone we've stepped up our streaming games we're working out latency there's new products coming out i know it's like it's really interesting how to see companies like roland like developing interfaces just for you know bloggers and stuff now like mm-hmm. i just it's it's interesting how that whole that's becoming a market now yeah, I think the live streaming world for video game players on Twitch oh, yeah. and stuff like that has become such a huge, huge market that it's, I mean, designing products for people who don't have a lot of um, skills with audio gear and making it user-friendly and easy for them to, to use is is quite popular right now. Yeah, the game is actually get views on Twitch. <laughs> 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 Hello, Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, uh, live streaming. You know, it, I I've had some problems with playing live over streams just because, like, I miss that camaraderie of like getting to the venue, <laughs> like shooting the shit as you're sound checking and having some food together and. Um, yeah, I was just saying to my wife the other day, like it's just, it's like there's no way to have that that social element with a live stream. Really, it's pretty difficult. Well, yeah. it's absolutely true what you're saying because you know you you know you're not with other people and you have you don't have that physical energy. But I must say, with uh, some of the ones that we've done, there was a buzz, you know, with you know by just seeing people in the chat, you know, go crazy and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it is not the same. I'm not saying that, but you know, it is not completely alien that you're just you know by yourself, yeah. you know, sort of playing music into a computer. You know, it does it does have a social aspect, but it's a totally different one. I think it's improved too. It's really interesting to see live streams in the last month or two how much better they've gotten compared to what they were in you know april last year like people mm-hmm. have refined their process and um even this was so seamless to 
jump on the link and get in here and chat with you guys and yeah it's it's pretty cool and my my wife does some work with um you know acting and screenwriting and stuff in in hollywood and but she lives here in the mountains and it's interesting to see like i i can imagine parts of the music industry and that industry won't be going back to certain things that happened before this you know it's like there is there is some great stuff about the connectivity we can have without having to drive across LA for an hour and a half to have a coffee for half an hour and then drive yeah. home for an hour and a half, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's some, some beauty in that. From my experience, um, I mean, throughout this whole year, I've done plenty of DJ live streams, some which were, you know, pre-recorded and some which were live streams, but um, nothing was as engaging and as fun to participate than like the store live streams that went on um, with Johan because it was there was an element of danger behind it of being able to like sync up from two different places in the world and you don't know exactly what's going to happen if you're, there's going to be mistakes and like you know and you're just kind of feeling it out and then the camaraderie of being able to collaborate with somebody a good friend on the other side of the world and then just have an audience and be able to watch and be able to look at the stream and see people chatting with you at the same time it was a lifesaver i mean it, ga- it gave you that same sense of community and um and integration with other people that was missing through all, all the loneliness that went on through this past year <laughs> yeah i mean yeah yeah totally i mean th- that's what surprised me as well but um and and also how the whole uh, distance thing, distance thing, kind of disappeared. You know, I mean, it it makes you kind of hyper focused on on the music itself. You know, because you you don't you're not in the same room with the other person, so you are you not you're not taking the visual cues of you know body language or you know like the energy of being with another another person. Uh, that is usually quite a you think that's quite a vital or um, essential thing when you're when you're making music together, right? But uh, for some reason, this this um, um, this also worked. Yeah, it also works without being in the same room and still have this sort of very intimate connection, uh, and and have yeah have this sort of flow going on with with two people, even even with a two bar delay and and not being in this physically in the same room. But it it felt like all these with all these collaborations I've done, it felt like. Um, you're actually making music together. That feeling of just you know jumping into the, you know, giving the other people the other person space, and then jumping in and then taking over, and then you know just do- doing that whole interaction that you, that you mm-hmm. feel when you're making music with another person was all there, you know, and all mm. real. Yeah, I think the 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 two bar delay actually lended itself to um, to a sound that was yeah. more. Less rushed, evolving yeah. and busy yeah. and less rushed because you're both keeping in mind um, that all of the changes and the additions added to the music was done at a certain pace. So it actually mm. made it a more, um, a more heady and kind of a deeper experience. Mm. I think, Mo, you, t- you touched on something that perhaps I've not mm. had in any of the live stream experiences is that there was this danger element because you guys were implementing the sync and that danger element is one of the things i like about playing live right oh absolutely that's that's the key thing absolutely so you guys really were key you guys added that and that's yeah that's pretty cool like i haven't had that it's like it feels too safe right here right man 
playing live, like you know. Well, you know, the, the, the it wasn't really that dangerous because the syncing was was not automated. It was just done by hand, you know. And but I I totally agree. I think that the the danger in playing in front of an audience is uh, is very similar because you you can you can fuck up, you know. I mean, you build if if you're a smart musician or if you, if you take it seriously, you you don't. Um, plan everything ahead you just set up a set of tools that you let you improvise on the spot you know like on the fly and and you know if you build enough uh, danger into it the performance comes out better and if you if you make it yourself too easy then it becomes boring you know so it, it is just like this sort of balance between you know not knowing what you're going to do and and a certain you know uh, arsenal that you have prepared, or that you know what you can fall back on, is that's that's the the key thing when you when you're preparing for a live show or when you're playing live. It needs to be risky, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, mm. it, you you know you you become lazy and it's all becoming very boring. <laughs> yeah, how do you, how do you how do you actually do that when you when you prepare for a you know, a live set in, in your domain in the Max MSP domain? Is how do you build the danger into it? In, so uh, yeah, I've I've had a few dangerous moments. I mean, my first. <laughs> Do you patch live? Do you actually also you know modify uh, no. the patch? Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I I do remember. Uh, yeah, I was playing the Perth International Arts Festival in Australia in the two thousands, and there was a fun moment there where like Max Max would tax your CPU. You, you know, you were you were running it. 98, 95%. You're always playing with fire. And I wanted to use this one particular VST plugin. And I, I was playing this set. It was like 45 minutes. And I got about 25 minutes, like halfway point, and implemented this plugin. And I've never heard a PA like, or, or, a, you know, a set, a set just go cold so hard. Like it was like an explosion in the room. <laughs> And everyone like simultaneously shot themselves and like all just immediately looked at the stage. And I looked at my screen and I'm like, it's just blank. It's the desktop. <laughs> and I was like, I looked at the cl clock. This was only like 10 or 15 seconds or less. And I'm like, 25 minutes, I guess it's a punk set. And I just fucking close the laptop. <laughs> and everyone just went, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's the thing. You have to act as if it was deliberate, you know. And you know, if it had been five, or this is my minutes, show. <laughs> five or ten minutes sooner, and they would have been like, "Oh, his laptop fucked up." But everyone was like, "Oh, you know, he just was doing a um, doing a short set." But um, it's funny because I used to see all those guys like Tim Hacker and Finesse and whatever play in the two thousands, and those guys for a long time would have these shortwave radios on stage, right? And they'd run them into a second. Uh, channel on the mixer and so if the laptop died they just ramp up some like short <laughs> short wave noise while they rebooted the laptop like it's not a bad um, idea it's kind of crazy how stable laptops are now i mean it's I'm, i kind of miss that i saw some wild shows like i don't miss it <laughs> yeah but, like, fail-safes now are so easy to make. I mean, the beauty of laptops being cheap is um, you can have a system, right? You can just have two two computers, right, with the same set and just run a constant tone 
out out of one channel that goes to the other machine and if that tone drops the other machine just um cuts in you know it's pretty easy to make uh especially in max it's pretty easy to make a backup See, that's just that's too much work for most people these days because you can't even bother DJs to carry USB sticks. Like anything, anything more than USB drive instead of headphones, like fuck that. I'm not carrying anything else. Who's, yeah. who's the DJ that's backlining on your headphones? I'm <laughs> <laughs> a technical writer, man. I mean, you know. Josh, what about you? I I I, I know that telephones. Tel Aviv story where you sprayed the audience with like noise. Uh, Charlie did it technically. Un we were un unruly audience that you destroyed. <laughs> yeah, we were we were playing in Amsterdam at Paradiso, and uh, and we were sort of the last act on a live like kind of a band live show lineup that was going to end at like one a.m. and then like the is going to start and. Uh, you know, there are 250, 300 kids in the front that are there to see Telephone, and then there's like 700 kids that drove in from Rotterdam who are ready to get fucked <laughs> up. You know, like just just <laughs> Dutch ravers, just ready to go off. And they were just not having it with TTA, man. They just weren't into it. And uh, some booze started, and that's like Charlie and I kind of snicker into each other about that. That's fine. But then they started throwing shit. And somebody threw a Heineken bottle at Charlie's head. And it, like, kind of clipped him a little bit, but he mostly got out of the way of it. And it pissed him off so much that he just, like, opened Max, opened, you know, a noise oscillator, attached it to a, you know, gain, <laughs> and then Easy DAC, or, you know, turned it on and just blasted it. And it was, like, the, the fucking loudest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, uh... And he's like, I don't know how to do Max, but I think I know how to do this. Let me try something. I was like, okay, okay. And he, he did it, and it was just like, everybody's covering their ears. The kids in the front are like, ah! <laughs> we just folded them up and walked off stage. I love it. Yeah, it was That's really, cool. really, it was stupid and loud and, and really probably dumb and kind of dangerous for the crowd. <laughs> I would never do something like that again. Now I just, you know. Now they, they, you know, when I'm bombing, the promoter just pulls me off stage. <laughs> they just literally just pull me like in the middle of the set, like, all right, dude, you're done. Stop. One of those classic hooks that you just throw out. And, oh, yeah, know. yeah. The hook that happened to me in Colombia like four years ago, five years ago. I, got I just I had, yanked off stage. I had a Rotterdam experience, like, too. I was, I was booked. I oh, think my God. Some, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Someone had um, played the most, like, beat-driven, most musical track that I had on MySpace, and they they had booked me as, like, a minimal techno artist. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was playing, and people, the bartender, when I turned up, they loved us. They were, like, from Australia, blah, 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 feeding us full of beer. But, like, halfway through, I look over, and he's shaking his head, and, pe and, and people are coming up to a scene this is not music. Like, <laughs> can you please play another track? And it's like, no, I'm not a DJ. <laughs> like, but um, I'll never forget I'm... there was this old rocker guy. With, this old rocker guy was the sound guy for the venue. He wasn't um, – I can't remember the name of the venue, but he wasn't he, – he just, you know, it was just he just worked there. But we were the most fun thing he had heard in a long time. 
and uh, they were trying to turn us off. And I look over, and he's like hovering over the soundboard, like protecting it so that they couldn't cut <laughs> us man. off. My he was out of boy. And well, the bartender at the end of the night said, "See you later. Don't come back again." <laughs> Crazy! I, I I really feel um, my country has uh, has now uh, you know had a very big dent in its reputation. For <laughs> no, <laughs> two I people, two people on the chat complaining about. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not playing in the Netherlands. I should say that this was 17, 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. Um, I've I love playing there, and I've I've had <laughs> that was the only kind of weird experience in it. I don't really look at it as a bad experience. I look at it as a teachable moment. Me, me neither. It was Stop it was being, a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. <laughs> I do recall one time I, I booked Ben Deru at one of our shows when 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 uh the what was it called? The complex or something like that in in uh in, uh, in Glendale. Oh dude. And I remember, yeah, and I remember his computer crashed and the music just completely went off and he did a little tap dance number on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> just like walked off to the side a little bit. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> that's a good way to handle it right there yeah you have to just not freak out like you it's it's like falling off a motorcycle you know what i mean there are those who have and those who will like playing live with a laptop there are those who have experienced crashes and those who will experience crashes and uh if you freak out on stage you just god damn it you know you mm. get mad it's just the crowd gets uncomfortable and it's awkward and yeah. you just gotta be chill and cool about it and like okay like, i'm i'll fix it we're gonna this is live music. It's going to break at some point. Stuff gets fucked up and goes wrong. I fuck up. The computer fucks up. You know, these are, yeah. these are things that happen. And uh, honestly, I think if you're like kind of cool and calm and sort of gracious about it, the crowd is going to root for you to win. You know? mm, yeah. Yeah. They, they want to see a recovery. Like, yeah, there's no, oh, you know what? It's, it's it actually quite, actually, I was going to say that, you know, one, one outage is quite, you know, good for the night. Usually <laughs> it becomes bad when it's more than two or three, you know, but, yeah. uh, but one, one is usually okay, man. You know, there's a really interesting case study of that with Telephone Television in 2004, when we were touring for Map of What is Effortless, we were playing at the Batafar in Paris and, we were playing as a trio with tons of gear and keyboards and a huge Pro Tools rig and all these mic preamps and stuff. And, um, and the set was going fine. The crowd, the crowd was pretty tame. And then halfway through the set, the, we, the power shut down, right? And so the way we were doing the set back then required like an almost 10-minute long power-up, right? It took forever to get sessions loaded and get things working and get things synced up again. So I, I kind of tried to haltingly speak French to the crowd. And, it, <laughs> and the guy, this dude was like heckling me like in a really sweet way. He was like, speak English so we can understand you. And I was like, ah, fuck, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm terrible at French. He's like, okay, yeah, now we can hear you. Like, okay, well, we're going to get back to it. Okay, we're going to pick up from this song. I'm sorry, the power went out. We're going to start this song from just before the second chorus. Um, Thanks for being patient. So then I get back over to the keyboard and I count in. Okay, three, two, okay, <laughs> boom, play. And then everybody was just, ah, <laughs> scream. I rarely have we had an applause like that. Um, it was a huge roar of an applause. And uh, I, I think it, in that way, it was good that the sort of crash happened to sort of uh, give us a chance to recover. 
Yeah, you would almost uh, build it in as a as a as a tactic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's this room isn't feeling it. Let's just uh, pull the plug. <laughs> it's also the crowd interaction that we we seldomly ever have with electronic music too. Being able to talk to the crowd, you know, mm. I'm sure that, yeah. that that's a, a a point of hype as well. Oh, I talk to the crowd all the time. I mean, it, I guess in that way, you know, I've got a microphone, so <laughs> yeah, I don't do talk. Cakes, I don't like you know do like between song banter but i definitely yeah say something every month yeah i remember like when uh richard played at catch one this show just before october before the lockdown uh the first 15 minutes of his set he was only playing richard divine was playing out of the left side of the pa the sound guy was off in another part of the club and then finally it got sorted and just the 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 right side came in all of a sudden and yeah, the audience fucking went nuts. <laughs> it's a win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the the best thing you can, you can do is, uh, it's just, uh, having a laugh, you know, because, uh, that's, that's the best thing you can do. Um, uh, actually guys, we're talking for nearly two hours. Do you want to, do more or uh, should we uh, usually we we st stick to two hours just to make it a more sort of size decent side podcast you know um but what we usually do at the end is give everybody a little time to share with the audience what they've been doing and what they what they've got coming up maybe any shows any new releases anything you want to share with uh, um the audience maybe mo can start this time jeez oh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Anything we want to share, Mo? Well, Luis, my uh, partner in Belief Defect, was just here in LA over the week, so we're just still trying to hack away at the next Belief Defect record. Of course, there's no release date um, in mind. Oh, yet, so you're, you're actually in the same place now, in the same space now to uh, yes, to work on yeah. it again. Oh, that's cool. Exactly. After it's what like, almost a year and a half now, so we're, we finally started resuming the work on the album. Obviously, we don't have that much time, but we're trying to finish as much as we can while we're here. Um, playing some gigs this summer, which is weird, and Yay. not sure if I should be, but I am, and I'm just trying to enjoy it while I've got them. And um, yeah, it's been fun playing in Miami this weekend. So looking forward to that and seeing some old friends and kind of getting back on the grind. Other than that, no, no releases yet in in plan, but some stuff is coming very soon. Cool. Uh, what about you, Josh? You got anything you want to share? Um, I'm working on a video game score for um, an indie company from Poland called Draw Distance. Uh, the game is called Serial Cleaners. I expect it'll probably be out at the end of the year. I am not playing any shows because nobody nobody will book me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm working on this video game score. Uh, I'm working on several different records that I can't talk about. Um, and uh, and then I am engaging in revenge bedtime procrastination between the hours of 1 and 4 a.m. Um, of like platinuming all of the FromSoft stuff. Um, so... Yeah, that's it. Maybe that's it's maybe time we get maybe it's time we get Josh out to do a techno DJ set at one of our shows pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. I'd love to do that. I'll, are you I'll, ready, man? Are you ready for that? I'd We're love gonna to make it happen. We're I'd love to. If, as long as I don't have to, as long as I can play like kind of pretty stuff. Yeah, you can play whatever you want. <laughs> I'd love to do that. I'd love to. Cool. 
Okay, so shout out to all the promoters out there. Book Josh. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Tom? What are you working on? Anything you want to share? Uh, no shows in the near term. I, I was uh, told that the uh, Algorithmic Art Assembly will be rebooting, which was, I think, originally meant to be an annual event, but um, at the Gray Area in San Francisco. So I think that will be early next year uh, to be announced and determined. Uh, and I just released an album last week uh i believe someone will post up the link uh yeah it's, and, all, it's also on um, your it's on your on your band camp right so yeah, yeah i think it's, a, it's, it's on my band camp um ambient textual based album that i produced in the last uh six months or so with some nice mastering by josh in fact uh if you need mastering services, get it, get at him too. He's got no gigs, so <laughs> I don't have any live gigs going on. So I'm just in the studio all day. Every day. But um, yeah, uh, looking forward to getting back to playing live. But I'm a little cautious about playing smaller, um, you know, packed-in shows right now. I guess I don't know. Me too. Um, yeah. Me too. Yeah, we all have to kind of get used to it again, I guess. Yeah, I've, yeah got some, kinda, I've got some coming up, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. Going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the other thing too. I'm like, well, I haven't looked at my live max patches for <laughs> eighteen months now. I just be making other random shit. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I got a request for Josh, though. I'd really love to hear the next second second woman album. Um, nobody's going to hear it. <laughs> um, it's gonna um, end up it's gonna end up on that hard drive where all the other stuff is sitting yeah i mean it's it's there i went back and listened through to there's a lot of really good stuff there i don't i think though if turk and i are going to release when we release another one we're going to start from scratch hmm. um i don't know if any of the ideas on this thing that are finished already will get sort of cannibalized for newer ideas or whatever. um awesome we'll see well see. looking forward to whatever new material is coming out that's for sure thanks man. yeah absolutely I'm looking forward to that belief defect right? i love the thank last you. ones thank you awesome guys well thanks a lot thanks for uh for um uh your amazing insights and knowledge and um um company really enjoyed it so um yeah thanks a lot and um i will also thank the people who are watching who stuck with us on <laughs> on twitch <laughs> Uh, there's one last thing I wanted to mention from my side, and that's the Patreon page that we have. If you like the the project and uh, you want to give us a shout out there or support us, uh, you can do so. And um, there's also uh, for the higher tiers, there are sound packs and masterclasses and stuff like that. So have a look there if you're interested. And also we have the Discord server going on with an ever-growing community with nerds and musicians and stuff uh, happening there lots of uh, exchange of information if you're um, into that stuff um, uh, have a look there i think uh, sander is posting the links in the chat or in the comments right now so um yeah that's uh, that's it for uh, for us so thanks again really enjoyed it and um see you later ciao, ciao. thank you thank you guys thanks for having me